0: Hello, Today I am here with Chelsea Castellano, a organizer for Bedrooms Are for People, a ballot initiative in Boulder that seeked to change Boulder's occupancy limits around housing. And after a mix-up with dates and deadlines for collecting petitions and signatures for the ballot initiative to get on the ballot this fall, uh, they appealed to the Supreme Court and were unfortunately recently dismissed um, after it was originally reported that they would hear their appeal. So, Chelsea, thank you for coming to talk with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, as we know, unfortunately, Bedrooms are for People's Appeal got dismissed. Um, But as you prepared to discuss um, and be heard by the Supreme Court, how did you prepare? What kind of plans did you make for the hearing? We cut out for a second there. uh, um, As we were saying, what were your original plans for the Supreme Court uh, for the hearing?
1: Yeah. um, No, it's a good question. It was a lot of working with our lawyers. It's when we... um, first got the district court case that didn't rule in our favor um we knew we had a strong case to go um, to the colorado supreme court to appeal and so we immediately worked with our lawyers and i mean really the lawyers do most of the hard work it's a lot of a lot of um effort that goes in from the legal team um but so um we submitted our appeal and then within 24 hours the supreme court decided to take up the case which is really unusual it was really fast and you know it gave us a lot of hope and excitement that um, the Colorado Supreme Court would look at this case and would see the injustice that um, we had experienced and rule and in our favor. And unfortunately, um, after a week of us submitting our appeal and then the other side, the city and um, another group, Balance Boulder, um, submitted their uh, their briefs and then we submitted our response brief so that all happened within a week it was a lot of late nights reading legal documents and then we found out on friday um that friday two weeks ago um that they decided not to take up the case after all of that so um yeah that was it was obviously um extremely disappointing that wasn't one of the outcomes that we had prepared for. You know, personally, I was preparing to win or lose, but I wasn't preparing for them to not not give us any judgment on on the merits of the case. Um, so, so yeah, that was it. Was it was definitely um, a, a punch <laughs> to not to not have you know the the highest court that's supposed to provide justice for them to to sort of ignore those responsibilities is, is how it felt at the time.
0: So what was that kind of initial reaction like for you when you found out that the Supreme Court had dismissed your case? Uh, you said it was fairly disappointing, but what well, what had that kind of just been like in that moment?
1: You know, what's interesting is that I was actually on the phone with um, somebody who was experiencing the um, negative effects of occupancy limits at this time Um, and so he had reached out to us because he was experiencing problems with the city and wanted to get involved and we i was on the phone with him Um, with Eric, my co-chair, and we got the email from the lawyers as we were on the phone with him, and so we had to, it was actually, I felt really bad, we had to like immediately get off the phone with him and um, hop on with the lawyers, and um, yeah, it was just, um, we were all a bit bewildered, um, and, and yeah, just The reaction is is just that, you know, sometimes this, and I think really a lot of times, the system, the system is just messed up. There, you know, there's, it it doesn't work for you. Um, It doesn't work for a lot of people in a lot of instances. So, um, in some ways, it sort of was representative of the whole um, issue that we're, That we're fighting for is you know we want people to be able to to decide who they get to live with and the government shouldn't give you shouldn't mandate that um and and that's a systemic problem that we need to resolve and the fact that the system wasn't working in our favor when we're trying to fight the system like it's sort of um it just is reflective of how this whole process has gone for us that Trying to overcome really powerful people and um, people who really are attached to the status quo and don't want things to change because it might mean that other people get more equal as- access to housing. Um, that's that's yeah, that's basically been our experience the whole time. So it sort of in, in some ways was 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 on brand with how we've how we've experienced this whole process of trying to overturn our city's exclusionary occupancy limits
0: you you mentioned people who are attached to the status quo and who might who you say might be more worried about people achieving equal access um, How uh, what have you seen of this group in the past um, what have you what's your experience kind of been like with this group if you don't mind me asking
1: sure I mean, well, there's a lot of people um, who are really excited by this change. And so I don't want to overstate the fact that I believe that the majority of people um, want to see this change. It's a very, it's a moderate change that gives people a much greater, um, much greater equity when it comes to housing access. But there are, there is a small group of people who, who are really working to keep the status quo, and they don't want to. They don't want to allow other people to live here who aren't um, essentially wealthy and and you know just essentially just who look like them and act like them. Um, and so, for example, this group, um, Balanced Boulder, is made up of three or four homeowners on the Hill who, um, intervened in our lawsuit. So they actually took the, they intervened with the side of the city and essentially, you know, so they had two lawyers and we all, you know, they had two groups of lawyers and we had just ours. And so, um, there's a group of homeowners on the Hill who just don't want to give more housing to students. Um, and, they use their resources to fight against it or, um, you know, there's council member Bob Yates. Um, he's, you know, on council as an elected official and some emails have just been released recently showing that he was reaching out to organizations that had endorsed us and trying to convince them not to endorse us, um, or to take back their endorsement or, and he was, you know, using some veiled threats, to take back his own donations because they endorsed us. And so, you know, I mean, these are just, yeah, that's sort of what we've experienced in some cases. And then, other you know, there's just some opposition from um, people who don't understand why occupancy limits need to be reformed. And, you know, some people care more about their parking space than they do about the people living next to them. And that's really unfortunate. But I really, I I truly do believe that that's not the majority. It's just that you hear those voices because they're sort of like the establishment of Boulder. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, Now, you mentioned when you were originally talking about the experience of being dismissed, that you had been on the phone with someone who was dealing with the occupancy limits. Um, if you don't okay. mind me asking what was happening there?
1: Um, yeah. Um, I don't want to give too much away cause I, you know, haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't talked to them about telling their story, but it was, um, it was actually a landlord who, um, owned a home and it had, It had more bedrooms than the occupancy limit allowed, and he allowed one person per bedroom to live there, and, um, somebody called, like, somebody, um, called enforcement on him, and so this group of people had to move out. They couldn't live there anymore, um, because they had one person per bedroom, and, so yeah that was his story um that he was that he was telling us and you know it's there are a lot of really good landlords and there are a lot of really bad landlords and um in boulder and it's not a bad thing for landlords to want to have people live in their homes and i think some people try to um you know, make landlords sound evil. But they're really like providing a very critical service of providing housing to people, um, and we need to embrace those who want to do a good job at that. And occupancy limits are one of the ways that bad landlords um, use use the fact that their occupants are overoccupied to essentially revoke their tenant rights and it's it's both on both sides when you're living over occupied you don't exercise your tenant rights because you are living in fear that you or your roommate or multiple of your roommates are going to be evicted or that enforcement is going to come and so um so I think it's really important that we work with landlords to to really come to an understanding of um how we can provide housing in a way that um, keeps students and all people who are renting safe, um, but also making sure that tenants have their rights um, and that landlords can provide equal access to housing when they have that housing available.
0: Um, Now we've discussed a little bit of kind of the experience around that dismissal, but as of right now, do you have any plans for bedrooms or for people beyond the supreme court um
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean we you know it was a rough couple days i'm not gonna lie to you we had it was it was really rough i essentially laid in bed for 48 hours just really really sad that we weren't able to make this change this year after, you know, we've overcome so many obstacles going through the pandemic, all of these legal battles, raising all this money. Um, but really that following Monday, we got together as a group and we decided that we are going to run this initiative in 2021. Um, and, So we're really going to dive right back in fairly quickly. Um, But in the meantime, um, there are some short-term things that we can do. And so we're also organizing a march for Saturday, um, September 12th at 12 p.m. at the um, Boulder County Courthouse downtown on 13th and Pearl um, is where we're starting. And the march has... um, Sorry, one second. Um, the march has to be key. Um, okay,
0: Sorry.
1: No worries. Um, the march has several um key demands that we're asking for. Um, one is to suspend occupancy enforcement until Boulder's voters or council enact real occupancy reform that allows at least one person per bedroom plus one, which is what we were originally fighting for. And also to clarify Boulder's direct democracy laws for citizen-led ballot initiatives to prevent um, future voter suppression by our elected officials. And so there's actually, um, city council member Rachel Friend has just released um, a proposal that's gonna be um, reviewed by council on the um 14th and that is to suspend occupancy limits uh, or suspend occupancy enforcement um, for a duration of time probably through the spring is what she's proposed and so we really want to go out there and obviously be wearing masks and socially distance to keep people safe. But we really want to demonstrate just how important of an issue this really is and that people don't deserve to be living in fear because they're living safely in their homes. Um, And and so that's what we're going to be going out and marching for. And we'd, you know, obviously love for as many people to show up as possible to show just how important this is. Because just because Rachel Friend is proposing this doesn't mean she's going to have the votes to pass it. And um, as we know, as we've learned, um, the people who support us, you know, on council are in the minority. It's four to five Um and so we need we need others to understand that this is an issue that's not going away. You know, we're not going to back down just because we didn't win this time around. Actually, we didn't even have the chance to win or lose. We weren't even given that opportunity. But the fact that um, we weren't given that opportunity doesn't make it any less important to resolve this issue. And so... Um, So that's what we're doing in the short term is we're going to march for march for the suspension of occupancy enforcement. And we're going to um, in the longer term going to be planning to put this on the ballot again in 2021. Um, So so, yeah, so that's what we're going to that's what we're going to be doing. We're not we're not giving up. You know, we we're not (laughs) we didn't we didn't come we didn't get what we were you know, fighting for, it. and so we're gonna just get up and and continue fighting for it. And, You know, this is also a great opportunity to to build our team even bigger, and so we, you know, we really want to bring the CU community and students into the fold. And uh, we have a lot of CU people on our team, but I think that you know, there's a lot of opportunity to really build that bridge between. Um, students and the greater community and and like let students know that they have a lot of power in this town if they if they wield it so we want to help with that Um, also during this time that we have now between now and 2021.
0: So you um, discussed the march a bit now where did you where did bedrooms are for people originally get the idea to uh, do a march at right? what point did um, you all kind of decide that this is this is something that you wanted to do and that you felt like this was the next step
1: yeah um you know it's something that we've had on the table for a while even before the supreme court um decision came to be because we've been we've been at the mercy of city council and the legal system, essentially, since we found out that the rules, the election rules that they had given us were not right. And that was on, you know, essentially like late July was when we realized that there was, there was, we either needed one person on council to change their mind, um, or we needed the legal system to work in our favor. Um. And so the march was always on the table as a way to demonstrate the importance of this issue because, you know, collecting signatures, we collected almost 8,000 signatures and we like, we've seen people who we tell them, you know, we say, hey, you know, we're getting too you're trying to get these initiatives on the ballot, and they would walk away, and I'd say, okay, we're trying to make it legal for more than three people to live together, and people would just, like, drop what they were doing, turn around, and come sign. Like, this is an issue that people really want to see resolved, um, and so I just don't think that some of the majority on council understand how important it is um and so we we've always thought that it would be a really good way to demonstrate that obviously um yeah um so so when we lost this was sort of the last thing we had um in the short term to to really go out there and say we're you know we still have we still have some we, we still have power as people to to demonstrate this why this cause matters and and that's really kind of what we have left at this point. Um, but it's that's still a lot if we can organize well and get enough people there. And the fact that um, one of our council members, Rachel Friend, is advocating for a moratorium on occupancy enforcement, which is actually a, a recommendation from one of Governor Polis's. Um, executive order just it really just aligned and so um yeah that's how we that's how we decided
0: and you mentioned that you wanted boulder to clarify their direct democracy laws and yeah. when i spoke to one of your other organizers nick grossman um he uh we discussed a little bit about how um, bedrooms are for people would not decide on pursuing a future ballot measure until the city clarifies its requirements. Um, so is would you agree with that?
1: Um, you know we're sort of I don't know if I would well, there's there's a couple of different things in there. Um, the charter, so the charter initiatives is where the confusion um with the laws still exists and i mean i think part of the reason why the colorado supreme court um decided to dismiss the case was partly because the rules are so unclear that they have nothing to base their decision off of and so the district court the district court couldn't figure out what the rules were and the colorado supreme court um essentially implied that. And so I think it's very, very clear how unclear the rules are um, for people who are trying to exercise their constitutional right to direct democracy. And so for charter initiatives, I would agree that it is, that we would not move forward with a charter initiative unless the rules were clarified. For municipal initiatives, it's a little bit um it's a little bit more clear because the rules are a little bit different um but at this point we feel confident um that we would we would move forward either way um and we would essentially just apply the strictest interpretation of the rules so um whatever you know whatever if 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 you have to get the signatures in 90 days, that's what we'll do. If that's the strictest interpretation, that's what we'll do so that even if the rules aren't right, we will have met them um, because we'll have done it in the in the time frame and the number of signatures that are um, essentially the highest threshold to meet. So the shortest amount of time and the highest number of signatures is what we'll go for um, in order to... In order to make sure that we're compliant with the rules, um, but we think that it's you know running elections and having a a good democratic process is one of the key jobs of our elected officials, and they have honestly they've really failed in that this year um, and and in previous years. But this is this needs to be a priority, and they need to understand the damage that they've caused, and they need to take the time and do the work to make sure that this doesn't happen again, because I am sure there are a lot of people out there in this community with a lot of great ideas on ballot measures to move forward with. And after seeing what we went through, they might be a little discouraged. And I just think it's important for our democracy to function properly, um, that they clarify the rules.
0: So, um, provided that you would do a future ballot initiative, or try to get this initiative back on the ballot in a coming election. Is there anything that you would do differently the second time around? Is the, are there any changes you would make to how you can campaign?
1: Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think, you know, we're probably gonna we're gonna look and see if there are any changes that we can make to the to the language to make it more clear potentially. Um it's hard to write ballot language. That's really clear and also legally defensible. And so it, since we have the opportunity to improve that, we might look at that. Um, but in terms of campaigning, um, you know, uh, I I can't, I mean, we yeah, it's hard to say. I, I mean, we've had to overcome a lot in this upcoming year. I think really the, for us, the main thing is just get the number of signatures and, that we need in the quickest amount of time possible. Um, and with the, like, our team is growing. It's still growing, actually, um, even since our initiative um, isn't going to be on the ballot. And so our goal is to keep building the team between now and when we start collecting signatures, probably in early spring, and and then just get the signatures we need in, you know, probably, like, 30 days, I think we can do it. Um, and... So just moving really quickly on that, I would say is probably the number one lesson we learned. Um, obviously, we we didn't have a choice last time around because their stay-at-home order happened right as our um, as our initiative got approved. But, um, yeah, obviously, yeah, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> I guess this is my answer. I'm not sure what we're going to change, but um, we're definitely going to reflect on it, and we're really open to um suggestions too on, you know, is there something that we can include in the ballot language that'll make it better? Or um or or, you know, I also think like I said before, I think building the the bridge between students and our campaign is gonna be really important, especially in an off election year when um, people tend to not vote as much and so i think that's going to be our biggest challenge in 2021 but um but it's certainly worth the effort and um and and i think ultimately will be really good for the community in the long run if if we can if we can work together more and, and let students know that they have power to make this change all right
0: so between when you first uh had between when you first started um, with this issue, with um, the clarification of the requirements, I should, or uh, to put it in a different term, before um, from when you first started dealing with the city of Bull the council, sorry, the city council, um, and then to now, how has your campaign changed internally? Uh, how has it changed since? from when you first had to deal with the city's requirements changing on you to now after um, taking it to the Supreme Court and getting dismissed? How have things changed internally?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, So our team, our team has been extremely motivated. um, And obviously it's a, it's, it's a blow to morale. It's a, it's hard. It's disappointing. Everyone spent so much time and so much effort getting all of these signatures. I mean, our team, we all stood in parking lots all summer long trying to get these signatures and, you know, wearing masks, having all of these protocols to keep people safe. It was, I mean, a real commitment and the... Um, and the fact that it was sort of all washed away by um, our elected officials, our city council members, um, and and the, and the legal system was—it was hard. But the thing is, is that this is. For, for a lot of the people who are working in the campaign with us, um, they've experienced or at least seen how the city politics works and are not totally surprised by what happened and how it all went down. And I think that is a testament to how messed up our local politics is um because eve like this all should be shocking and the fact that it's not for the people who have been engaged in local politics for a while is really scary i think um which is another reason why? I mean, honestly, it, it's scary, but it's also super motivating to make real change. And so, I think ultimately our team is very optimistic. You have to have a certain level of optimism to participate in something like this. <laughs> um, and um, so, ultimately, while we were, you know, hurt by the hurt by it and, and all disappointed. Um, everyone is really optimistic and, and is really just thinking like, okay, who's going to run for city council in 2021? And okay, when are we going to start working on this ballot initiative? And you know, how can we make it better for 2021? I mean, we're really getting right back on the horse and, um, just, just figuring out how we can make this change. So, um, yeah, so it's, I, I don't, um, in some ways, I feel like it's made our team a bit stronger. We've you know been able to overcome a lot and are still working together. It's an amazing team of people who are just talented and passionate and really just want to want to you know make our town a little bit better because this is this is our community. This is how we can make change in the world, like as we see it right now. Um, so so yeah, so I, I would say. Um, I would say that it's made our team stronger, but obviously it's also it's also um, been hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: There is one thing I'd like to ask you about. Um, sure. So you were quoted in a Daily Camera article saying that bedrooms are for people, will continue working to dismantle structural prejudice and bigotry to build a more free, just and equitable community we're committed to beyond the struggle for 2020 ballot access so um, we've talked a little bit about in our past interviews and a little bit now about um, these occupancy limits and some of the effects that they've had but could you help, um, could you uh, explain a little bit of how you see structural prejudice playing into this issue Um, what you've seen of structural prejudice, uh, how it plays in who is affected and how they're affected
1: sure That's a big question, but I will attempt to answer it concisely. So there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot baked into that. Um, Well, first, I think where you start is understanding how our current zoning and housing laws were created and single family zoning, which is what most of Boulder is that whole idea was born out of segregationist policies. And when segregation quote unquote ended, um, single family zoning is how cities kept essentially the, the idea of segregation going. And so these policies are really built on a a racist system. Um, and so we need to start untangling that and and making housing more accessible to people who don't have um who don't have the wealth and means to to live in the neighborhoods that were um essentially used as um uh, that were blocked by different groups and so there's that element of it and then there's the lgbtq community where we there's a lot of history in boulder and in denver around these laws being used as tools to keep lgbtq people out of neighborhoods um and so there's that element of it there's also the element of just people who don't necessarily conform to um, you know the traditional idea of what a family looks like and that is I think you know that that's a, that's a big one um, there are a lot of people who are you know who who don't have family and who they create family by living with people Aren't related to them, and to say that those people shouldn't have just as much equal ha- equal access to housing as somebody, who, you know, as as twelve cousins who barely know each other is is discriminatory. It's discriminatory against people who um who don't conform to the societal picture of a perfect family, and then there's um. You know, just this idea that 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 the freedom of personal choice is is guaranteed. It's not an idea. It's, I mean, it's written in our constitution. It's the Fourteenth Amendment of our constitution. And personal. I mean, I believe that this infringes on that right. That you should have the personal freedom to decide who you live with. And um. And if, if you don't have that freedom, then it's oppressive. Um, it's an oppressive law. if It's taking away your freedom to decide who you get to live with and um, and the relationships that exist between those people. So those are some of the some of the just sort of the high level um, explanations of of how these occupancy laws have affected people. But there's a lot more than that too. I mean, it's also the Fair Housing Act, so Boulder's current occupancy laws are in conflict with the occupancy standards that are recommended in the Fair Housing Act, and the Fair Housing Act recommends that you can have at least two people per bedroom, um, and so there, there's that element of it, and then there's also the element of um, seniors and retirees, I mean, this is a, a whole generation of people who are increasingly looking for ways to reduce expenses and gain companionship, So. Um, you know there's discrimination against against older people. I mean, like there's there was um, an attempt to do this. I think it was in Oregon or Washington and they called it the Golden Girls bill because in in most of Boulder the golden girls wouldn't be able to live together um which is you know uh, it's just a, just a kind of a crazy concept that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be allowed um, but yeah, so that that's some of it. I hope I was able to answer some of your question
0: there. Right. No, no, thank you. That um thank you. That's a, that was a great explanation. Um and it was kind of and it was good to hear your some your perception of the issue and how that plays into it. So thank you. Yeah, of course.
1: Um, and how that, can you talk about it more
0: anytime? <laughs> no worries. Um that comes to the end of my questions. So Is there anything you want our listeners to walk away thinking about, or is there anything you would like to say as a last note?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I would love if, you know, I don't know when this is going to be released, but um, like I said, we are having this march on Saturday, September 12th. 12 p.m. at the Boulder County Courthouse on 13th and Pearl is where we're starting. Um, so we would love for people to show up and really demonstrate that um, that this issue matters and that we we have the power to make change when we stand together. Um, and really, that's, that's what it comes down to in participating in the direct democracy process, is that when we stand together, when we... When we wield our power collectively, like we really can make big positive changes. And so um, if anyone is interested in getting more involved, you know, we still, you know, on our website, bedroomsareforpeople.com, we have a volunteer sign up um, and we're still doing new orientations for new volunteers every Monday. Um, so we just want to... Um, Continue to build this this movement and this team of people who I think are really are going to make some big positive changes in Boulder um, and and beyond as well. I, I hope because there's this issue is not is not um, is not just happening in Boulder. It's all across the country. There are cities and towns who are trying to overturn their occupancy limits. And so if we can do it here in Boulder, then that'll be a real model for other communities to take on this change and to to make to make our communities more equitable and our um and to make housing easier for people for everyone not just not just the people who have all the resources so um yeah just get involved is really the main thing
0: (laughs) all right chelsea thank you for coming to talk to us today
1: thank you